1: And what's up, GC Live fam? Wes here, running a moment late. A lot going on today, but plenty to get to here on GC Live. uh, Chris Clark. Taking a little bit of time with the fam today, but I will be joined momentarily by Mike Yuva, who will be filling in for Chris. And we've obviously got a ton to talk about as we sort of turn the page. Uh, This is generally the time of the week, start to turn the page from kind of middle of the week, Tennessee game last week, moving ahead to Vanderbilt. And uh, again, I'll be joined by Mike Yuva, who's going to hop on momentarily. He was at the coordinator press conferences earlier today, and uh, we, we got some answers on some things from both. Marcus Satterfield, and Clayton White. So we're going to dive into those two things, maybe talk a little bit of recruiting, Oscar Delp's decision coming up today, and uh, of course, um, we're going to uh, take your questions as we always do. And as it always is, this show is brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. You see Clint's information right there. The NMLS number is 71597. Uh, Several ways for you to get in contact with Clint. C hammond at mortgagenetwork.com. That's the letter C, hammond at mortgagenetwork.com is the email address. Phone numbers are 803-576-4450 or 803-422-6797. And as you see every single day, right above my head and right above Chris's head, if you're watching on the video version, which we encourage that you do, clinthammond.com. Again, our presenting sponsor right here on GC Live. Appreciate Clint and appreciate all of you. We've got a number of folks already in the chat line. Uh, Get in line on our Primal Gourmet chat line. Hit me with your questions. And then, of course, we will uh, talk a little ball, talk some football, and talk about what we may have learned from South Carolina's press conference today. Uh, Let's first get it out of the way. Oscar Delp committing later on tonight. This has sort of been a a South Carolina-Georgia battle, as all of you know. A recruiting battle that that most of you have followed very closely. I feel like this is one of those that, even you know, even with uh, even if you're a person who doesn't really follow recruiting from a a, a really like day to day, hour to hour standpoint, like some people do, you, um, you you basically probably followed this one a little bit just because Delp was such a highly regarded target. Um, he was sort of a little bit of a media darling. Um, you know, was willing to do interviews at all time, a- and and really the, the fan base got into this one with the whole we want Delp thing. Uh, a valiant effort from Eric Kimry and the rest of that South Carolina staff um, as Delp gets ready to announce his decision tonight. Again, we we go live every afternoon, so if you're listening to this, I don't know maybe on Thursday morning uh, going to work, you're listening to it on the podcast or you're watching it on YouTube after the fact. You probably already know where Oscar Delp has announced that he's going, but uh, obviously, if you're with us here live on Wednesday, my my guess, my prediction, uh, sticking with what it's been, I, I would say for, for a while, what um, uh, would be that that it is Georgia. I, I think y'all just when when you look at what Georgia's done on the field this year, uh, number one program in the country right now, number one team in the country, uh, they've gotten the ball to their tight ends, and uh, you know as much as Delp. Did sort of grow up a South Carolina fan, and there were some some ties there for South Carolina to work through and and to kind of uh, use to to get themselves involved with Delp. Uh, he, he's still growing up in the state of Georgia. He's still a Georgia kid, and th- th- let's be honest, the Georgia program is rolling right now. It, it was going to be very difficult for South Carolina to find a way to uh, to unseat the Bulldogs. So, um, you know, I, I think again, valiant effort. And you look, it's kind of one of those things where if you're South Carolina, you'd obviously love to have Oscar Delp, but my guess is that uh, it's going to be the Bulldogs tonight. And, uh, you know, we'll see what South Carolina does from there. Obviously the, the, the tight end approach, the approach at the tight end position had been, um, you know, to, to go for Delp that that was their guy. That was their top target. So We'll see what the plan is to, to go on from there. Um, again, uh a couple of other little recruiting notes. Uh, a couple of guys that that are on campus right now. The Camden duo. I posted this this morning on the Gamecock Central uh, Insider forum. So if you're recruiting it, you love that type of stuff. Like to know it as it happens. Of course, we want to see you get on there, GamecockCentral.com. But uh, a couple of guys from Camden: Cortez Lane, who's a class of 2024, running back/slash wide receiver, uh, was on campus this morning. May still be on campus right now. It's 2:19 and uh, was joined by his teammate, Xavier McLeod. So uh, I think uh, obviously a pretty good sign for South Carolina with McLeod that uh, they were able to get him back on campus after, um, you know, really being a guy that's emerged as a a major priority for them. So uh, without further ado, let's go out now. Uh, I see him down there. It is your friend and mine rocking his mix in a water T-shirt, It's Gamecock Centrals, Mike Yuva. Mike, uh, did, did we mix any waters, man, as we were getting, I'll say, two steps closer to this Braves versus Bosox World Series that's coming up? Both of our teams have now advanced.
0: Well, I, I probably needed a drink more because uh, our, good fan, our good friend and uh, former colleague um, over at the state newspaper, Ben Briner, walked into uh, Bar None last night. As soon as I saw him, I was like, all right, might need to have an extra drink or two. You no, know, um, all jokes aside, we were not planning on seeing Ben, who's living up in North Carolina now. But uh, yeah, and I, and I said it, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan and I had my fun on uh was it Monday night now. So, big congratulations to all you Braves fans out there. I don't know if you can see it. See if I can lean it up. I got my chop on. There it is. Can we say that anymore? I don't want to get, you know, Braves fans or certain people upset anymore. But uh, we got the chop going on. And uh, I'll tell you what. I've been to two Braves games before. One playoff game that we covered back during my Watch Fox days. And then one this past year when the Red Sox played. Loved that stadium. I think. I don't know if the, the playoff tickets probably went up get like $15 seat, go sit out in right field. And that little bar area, beautiful section. Uh, but, yeah, congratulations to all you Braves fans out there because I know we have a lot down
1: here. Definitely, man. A fun game last night. I, I am, I'm hoping it's Braves-Red Sox, man. That would be awesome. Uh, there's a lot of Red Sox fans everywhere, I feel yeah. like, but uh, lo- lots of Red Sox fans here as well. So shout out to them. It's been a fun playoffs uh, so far, and uh, I imagine that will only – continue Mike uh, let's talk some ball let's talk some football man Um, you were at the press conferences today Marcus Satterfield of course Clayton White they speak every Wednesday Um, uh, I've said this several times man it is great to at least hear from your coordinators that was something that uh, was not a part of the regular practice during the season previously now um, you know we're able to hear responses to why did you run a halfback slash defensive end pass down at the goal line? Um, you know, why Why was there a, a bigger cushion on the perimeter, um, you know, early in the game, stuff like that? So I, I, I want to say first, I appreciate that we're able to get those answers and that the coordinators are able to explain it in their own words as opposed to just hearing from the head coach. So you were there, man. Um, what were your, I guess, first takeaways from what uh, – we'll start with Satterfield. What Mark Satterfield had to say today?
0: Well, I think it all depends what way you're looking at it. I think with Satterfield, I mean, he came out. He took a lot of ownership. He went back to that uh, goal line situation, not just the second down halfback pass, or we can call it a DN pass because, of course, Birch is the one that came in and threw it. But you also talked about the the De'Carion Joyner coming in there doing the full house pistol at the one-yard line after being able to run the football so well. Uh, I believe if I go back and I remember correctly, I think USC was averaging about like seven yards a carry, like 7.172.2 yards a carry on that drive. So, you know, of course, in hindsight, it's easy to say they should have ran it. Um, but I think just even getting a feel of what was going on in that moment, it made sense. Now, I use the word feel because it seems like that's a word in particular that a lot of Gamecock fans have been using over the last couple uh, days and goes back probably the last couple of weeks but especially over the last couple of days and one of the questions that sat was asked was do you feel like you have a feel of the game number one and how important is that and he says he does he does feel like he has a feel he feels like he understands right now what are becoming the strengths and weaknesses of this team and i think too you know when, when you think about strengths and weaknesses right and I think uh, I might be stealing this from you, Wes, because I know you were just on one of the the local radio stations. We're seeing now Kevin Harris have a fullback, which we saw him do last season and have a lot of success for. So I think, you know, look, there's a lot of reasons that you could say why the offense isn't here or or where it's where it's supposed to be maybe. But I think what is true is this. Anytime you have a new coaching staff, it does take time. It does take time to figure out what works because you have this, plan in your head you have this formula of all right this is what we're going to do but sometimes that plan doesn't work because the players that you have currently aren't able to execute that so you have to make adjustments so that was one of the small adjustments that we saw last week being able to see the fullback but I just think mm-hmm. that is the beginning of what we're going to see with Satterfield, Satterfield, Satterfield with being able to continue to add wrinkles in now that Doty is starting to get healthier and you know that Doty's the guy after obviously the first two weeks of Nolan being the starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, and you know, man, I, I think it's a good point. I not not to sort of uh nobody here is trying to like sugarcoat anything. Obviously, South oh. Carolina got got beat. Obviously, offensively, the totality of the six games has not been what anybody in that ops building would have designed it to be, would have wanted it to be, would have hoped it would be. Um, but I I would say I was actually probably the most encouraged that I have been this season by the running game, just specifically against Tennessee. Because uh, I, I thought they ran the ball well, but with their their base plays, you know, like it, it wasn't – you could go back to Troy game. To me, the Troy game is a good bit of smoke and mirrors, man. You know, you had a couple of end-of-rounds to, to Josh Van that really got the most of their, their yardage on the ground. There were some plays where you're trying to get the ball to Juju that probably counts as a pass in the stats, but it's really an extension of your running game. Mm-hmm. But to me – Against Tennessee, that's really the first time against a real, like, you know, an FBS opponent throwing out Eastern Illinois. That's the first time I've seen them actually be able to line up and, you know, whether it's inside zone, outside zone, um, and run the football with, with a little bit of actual success and to find what appeared for a little while to maybe be the makings of some rhythm, which is something that I think has been lacking at, at times this year.
0: Yeah. And, and I put it out there on the, um, on on Gamecock Central just the other day, just trying to write a piece about, you know, some of the takeaways. And that's going to be obviously a piece that we do every Monday, mixing a water. Um, And it's going to be more so kind of just being able to relax a little bit. Now, with that being said, I'm not going to be one that ever comes on here and sugarcoats things. I'm not going to be here just blowing smoke up. You know what? I'm not going to do that. I have no reason to. I didn't go to USC. I don't have ties to South Carolina. Um, but, of course, at the same time, too, I want to be able to give you guys a good perspective of what I think is going on. And you know, One of the things I had the chance to do was be able to watch the game with two former offensive linemen and one former quarterback um, this past week. And you get a great perspective when you watch a game with a former offensive lineman, especially someone that had played in the sec. And I think a lot of the things too, when you look at it and this isn't to make excuses for SAP because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm looking at some of the comments right now, West, you know, uh, Travis said, you know, why didn't we know Harris needed a fullback at the beginning of the spring? I think a lot of it has to go back to is this at the end of the day, regardless of what Harris was able to do last year, regardless of what the offensive line was able to do from a push standpoint, they were a two and eight team. They were a two and 18. You're bringing in a new coaching staff for a reason. You're bringing in a new coaching staff to implement changes, both offensively, defensively, and special teams. And we've seen that difference on special teams already. But on an offensive standpoint, yes, you can have this vision of what you want to do. I mean, I think back to my senior year, I don't care if it's Division Two, Division One, Division III, uh, NAIA. When you have a new coaching staff comes in, they have what they want to be able to implement. And we had guys, you know, because we were in a great team, what do they do? They put new running backs in. Well, things didn't work out. We went back to some of the old things that we used to do and what happened. That was all conference to finish out the year after not playing that much the first two games. So I use that as a small example because that's what happens across any level of college football. And I think that's what we're seeing here with USC. They had a they had a game plan. It just didn't work out that way. You have to adjust. So maybe it won't show in the sense of being up, able to put up 20, 30, 40 points a game, but you will see gradually, you'll gradually see improvements. And I do think that we saw some of the improvements this week, even though it might not look at it big picture wise Uh, but being able to run the football with the fullback is something that has benefited Kevin Harris in the past and I think we saw that this past week and I think we're going to continue to see new wrinkles from Satterfield moving forward because he realizes hey I have a game plan but we got to start working towards the strengths of the players that we have right now and if we want to go spread maybe or this or that down the line in the future that's great right now though you got to worry about the future but right now you got to worry about the present
1: Mike, uh, before we get back to football, I want to hit on a couple of things you got going on. Mark here uh, asking about your mix in a water T-shirt. Why don't uh, for those who don't follow Mike on Twitter, go ahead, give him a follow. But um, Mike, tell them about the background of the mix in a water shirt. It's really a great story. And it's not just a matter of putting together a cool T-shirt and and kind of putting it out there and, and making some money for yourself. Uh there's a great story behind it and a great cause as well. So if you want to man, uh take the floor and and tell Mark and everybody else about the mix in a water shirts.
0: Yeah, so for those of you that can't see the graphics here, it's a mix in a water and for those of you that do follow me on Twitter, you know that's just a fun little saying that we that we have, you know, when when people are overreacting on Twitter, it's a phrase I got way back in the day at family parties when my dad would tell some of the family members like, "All right, you know, it might be an outlandish take." But someone suggested that you should make T-shirts. And when people started to respond saying, yeah, we buy one, I thought, all right, you know what, I'm not going to do it for me. I want to be able to give back to this community. You guys have been tremendous ever since I've gotten down here in 2016. So uh, we had numerous people reach out kind of pitching why we should use some of that money for their foundation or charity of their choice. And we had a USC student reach out. And shared a story about their fraternity brother, who was the president of that fraternity, who passed away by suicide at the end of August. His name was James Royal. And what we're doing with that money is every time we sell one of these shirts, we had... uh, I believe it was glass cups for a little bit, mugs, um, sweatshirts, hats. But I think right now we're just we're just selling the T-shirts at the time. Um, but all that money is going to the James Roo Memorial Foundation. His mother, Liz, I had an opportunity to speak with her a couple of weeks ago. She's actually coming down for the Vandy game. So the plan is to be able to present them that check, uh, not in this, you know, this big ceremony or this happy Gilmore style check. But, you know, the game plan is to be able to present them that check because um that will be, they'll be special. But that Memorial foundation is going to be able to help people that are dealing with mental health challenges and, you know, uh being able to continue to get the word out there and being able to um fix what, what this stigma is. I mean, there's a stigma out there and, you know, having that long conversation with James's mother, Liz, Um, She definitely thinks that being able to have those resources out there could help someone. So this is for a former Gamecock student, a Gamecock student who did so much for so many. He was the president of his fraternity, as I mentioned before, uh, such a smart kid, such a selfless kid. He would leave positive messages on the fridge for his roommates when they woke up in the morning. He would help his uh, buddies out in the fraternity out when there were people that were just feeling down to themselves. But unfortunately, they just never picked up on the signs. Of everything he was going through. So, um, that is what these mixing a the water shirts are. If you already have one, um, I would love to be able to see them out there on Saturday because, like I said, James's mother, Liz, is coming down there. And, you know, we've had long talks about this. She has hers. Um, I know that would be a very special site to see if we can see as many. So, uh, just big, big, big thank you for anyone that has already got one. If you haven't, my DMs are always open. Uh, I can send you the link. Because I think, you know, it's DC4L. Just be careful because unfortunately there have been some, some sites that have been selling these shirts or claiming to sell them and they have nothing to do with us. And it's, you know, it's disgusting uh, when people try to do that to just make a quick buck. But if you want to be safe, you're interested, just shoot me a DM and I will get you that link. And like I said, thank you, thank you, Gamecock Nation. We have raised over $4,000 already for, um, for the James Rural Memorial Foundation, which is just a small part of what they're doing from a family standpoint and everything else um, beyond that. He's a uh, Maryland guy. So they've been raising money back at home as well.
1: Yeah. Great calls, man. And I, uh, for those who are not following Mike, it's at Mike underscore Yuva. I just went back and found uh, your tweet with the link. I retweeted that on my account as well. Thank you. And um, if,
0: yeah, uh, tweet that as well.
1: Yeah. And if, if folks are on, uh, Obviously, you're not going to be able to see this if you're, like, just listening on the podcast version. But if you're watching us right now, you should now be able to see on Facebook or YouTube the direct link um, to the DC4L Custom Tees uh, product that uh, should pull up Mixing a Water. That is, again, DC4L Custom Tees. And uh, that that should be the direct link to get you there. But um, great stuff, man. Really, really cool and really cool that y'all, when I say y'all, I mean like the listeners, the readers, the viewers uh, have supported this uh, to the extent that you have um, always been amazed at GameCock Nation and how they will rally around um, a moment or rally around people, uh, you know, when they're in need. And obviously, uh, cool for you to be able to bring uh, attention to this and and now give an avenue for everybody out there to support this financially as well, man. Let's... Um, Let's go back into some football now. Um, you know, offensive side, I, I think some some of the talk about the offense, man, it, it kind of just gets to the point of it's like we've all, and when I say all, like all of us media folks, we've been talking about it for like six, five, six weeks now. You know, it's like there's only so much you can say at some point. Sometimes it's going to just be about can they get better in these final six games? And, and kind of find that, that little next level of execution. I, I know Beamer's talked about it. Satterfield's talked about how a little thing that, like, they're going to see on film, hey, if this one guy makes this correct step, if this one guy sustains this block, if one guy, the 11, doesn't have a mental error here, it, it maybe the whole thing, the whole play doesn't get blown up. And uh, I think, Mike, it's kind of one of those things fa- fans – frankly, sometimes just get tired of hearing that because they're looking at the results of the business. Um, but then coaches probably, I, I feel like, are, are being honest when they when they tell us those things. And uh, they're also, I imagine, Mike, trying to uh, continue to express confidence in their guys because they don't want for there to be any sense among the, the players that there's a lack of confidence from their coaches. So I, I know there's not really a, a question in there, man, but I how do you sort of I guess frame up the uh, you know the difference between like the just the results and Satterfield to his credit he has never I've never heard an excuse out of his mouth it's always mm-hmm. been it has to be better and he even said today I think that was your question when he said statistically mm-hmm. it has not been what any of us want um but then he talked about the improvements that they are seeing internally uh within the the team as well. Well, let's look
0: at a big picture because I said this at the beginning of the year before the season started more so for Shane Beamer, but you could say the same for an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, even a special teams coordinator at that point with beat limbo at the end of the day. And I know fans don't want to hear this. I get it because like I said, I've been in a situation where I was a senior and I don't want to hear it. Seniors don't want to hear it because you know, that's your last opportunity and fans you know, you're spending a lot of money, you put so much time and you invest so much of your energy into supporting a team, you don't want to waste a year, I get that. The reality is, is this record at the end of the day this year, really means absolutely nothing in comparison to what you are building from a foundation standpoint, in trust, you want the underclassmen to trust you, you want the underclassmen to buy into what you are feeding them. And the most difficult part in this is when you do start to teeter totter a little bit. Of course, they're three and three. Is the world over right now? No, the world's not coming to an end right now. But with that being said, we know from an offensive standpoint, things have been extremely difficult. Um, I, I know, I know, our guy Colin Taylor over at Gamecock Central wrote a tremendous piece earlier this week. I think it was just on Monday, talking about or Tuesday, excuse me, about you know some of the things that you can look at. Uh, as progress or how to measure progress and USC actually ranks 108th in the country per uh, place per point or points per play excuse me that's second to last in the conference so I mention all that because there are things that you can measure and it's just like what are we doing you don't want guys to not buy in because as underclassmen you're watching what the upperclassmen are doing because you don't know any better You're a freshman. Some of these guys that were even here last year, they didn't get a true feel with everything going on with COVID. They don't know what the heck college football is all about. They're watching what the upperclassmen are doing. So if the upperclassmen start to throw in the towel and they're like, you know, screw this with Satterfield or this or that, that's just not going to help them out for the future. Now, does that mean you automatically have to go get a new offensive coordinator? No, but that's just not going to help you. Whether you have to bring a new OC in or not, if you're doing those kind of things, it's going to put you behind the eight ball in terms of trying to speed up the process of getting to where you want to be come year two, come year three, come year four. So I think more than anything, it is really easy to get caught up with the number of wins. And I get it, especially considering where USC has been the last two seasons. Um, But you want to be able to build this foundation. You need this foundation to be strong. And if the underclassmen who are going to be the foundation of this program, if they're not bought into what is going on going forward, you are going to be screwed, at least in the short term. not saying it's impossible to overcome that in year two, year three, year four, but it makes things that much more difficult. You need guys to buy in. Fans, I understand that. You don't necessarily care about that big picture-wise sometimes because you're just so focused on the number of wins, and I get it. I understand that, Uh, but I I can't say it enough because I know – I've been here, it's my sixth season. I know people are tired of hearing the word have patience. This team needs to have patience within. If you guys don't want to have patience, I understand that. But it's huge for the underclassmen to have patience because if they don't have patience, it's going to just set things back even further in terms of having Beamer and this offense and this defense being able to get to where they want to go to in the future.
1: Well, I think, Mike, it's important, in my opinion, for uh, the fan base to be able to, in some way, Draw that line. Draw that distinction between the last five years. Um, Absolutely, we're, we're not at fault of the current staff. Like you know, you, you, there was a change for a reason, as you said. Like you, you aren't changing coaches just for the fun of it. There was nope. a change because they had to make a change. They won two games last year. They won four games the year before in a in a traditional schedule. So it's it, you 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 have to sort of, I believe, kind of walk that line. Yes, are there things that need to be improved? No question. Nobody is saying that they aren't, but at the same time, you have to draw that hard line between when you see something that, oh, that reminds me of something I saw last year, that's that's not on Marcus Satterfield. That's not on Shane Beamer. That's a completely, almost literally a completely different staff. There's one assistant coach that has a holdover from that staff to this staff as far as the on-field coaches go, so – I know, I know fans are frustrated. I get it. But I, I think Beamer's point has kind of been, uh, hey, it's three and three. Could be better, could be worse. But um, there, there were always going to be growing pains yeah. when you bring in a new coach, a new staff, a first-year coach at that. There's always going to be growing pains. We may not have even known exactly what those growing pains were going to be coming in, but they were always going to exist. Now, to me, Mike, it's going to be about not, not even about – Wins and losses—the final half yes. of the year All field improvement.
0: And let me go back because Mark Anderson's a thousand percent right, and I probably stated wins and losses a little bit too strong. Mark, you're 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 absolutely right. Not every fan, um, not every fan is judging this season based on wins and losses. You're absolutely correct. It's more about seeing that progress. You want to be able to see that progress. I totally get it. I I, I think what were what I meant by the wins and losses is you know, it's easy to look at something because you want to be able to have something that you could physically hold and physically be able to see. And like, all right, you know, this is how many wins South Carolina has this year. That's the progress. This is what we're seeing from a statistical standpoint and the offense improving, you know, that's what we want to be able to see. Some of the things that South Carolina truly needs are things that none of us are ever really going to know about until towards the end of the year and heading into next season. And that's the stuff that's taking place Inside that locker room, and just that trust—that trust is so important. If guys don't have trust, it it really does screw up a plan. Um, as far as as far as what South Carolina uh, needs to do moving forward, Wes, and we kind of talked about it uh, a little while ago, but I I, I feel to mention it, watching it with those former players, and this is not saying that Satterfield has. Um, been perfect by any means. I think what he has done though, and I kind of alluded to it before he's starting to make adjustments based off of what they have. And I think you're going to continue to see that. What are the strengths and weaknesses of our team based on what I had as an offensive coordinator and the vision that I had, what do I have to do to tinker things? What I did notice though, listening to some of the guys that I watched the game with the other day, there were opportunities where holes were there and the running back is bouncing it to the outside. They're not trusting what they're seeing in front of them. Um, wide receivers rounding out some of their routes, you know, not making the, not coming back towards the football, and just doing little things like that. Uh, Doty holding on to the football just a little bit too long. They're not being uh, himself still and having that running lane and taken off. So I mention all that because at the end of the day. This isn't just a Marcus Hatterfield issue. This isn't just an offensive line issue. This is an offensive unit issue right now. Everyone needs to be able to get in sync a little bit more. Everyone needs to be held accountable here. Uh, the execution needs to be better. The play calling needs to be more consistent. It needs to improve. I think we have started to see that. It just hasn't translated into the results, into the statistics, into the points that uh, it would be a little bit easier to say, yeah, see, things are better because the execution needs to get better. So, like I said, this isn't to say Satterfield is not uh, – should not be held responsible. He absolutely should. He's getting paid a lot of money. He'd be the first one to tell you that. But big picture, this is an offensive unit issue. Everyone needs to be able to pick things up, and they have
1: six more opportunities to do that. Uh, some good stuff here from our listeners and viewers. Uh, by the way, Zach uh, Zach says the uh, points per average um, – very, very bad for South Carolina. Um, Zach, what site do you use for those type of analytics? I'm curious. I've tried to get more into like the, the analytical side of things. We obviously we have access to PFF, which I think does a pretty good job for certain things. But I know there's so many resources out there that let you dive a little bit deeper into stats. I'd love to check some of those out, man. Um, Zach also says, to Yuva's point, it does feel like the offense has looked more fluid over the last two weeks. They look more together, less discombobulated than previously um you know and i I think guys there's less of sort of the uh the the pre-snap penalties we saw the the issues getting lined up i mean let's go back to the georgia game when when there were issues just getting the play in getting guys in position and lined up and and snapping the ball I, i think one of the best decisions they've made mike has been to say a lot of times they're they're getting a play in and lining up and they're doing the let's look to the sideline thing change it if you need to leave it the same if you don't but um, that, you know, to your point, Mike. Let's not pretend the staff hasn't been trying to adjust as they've gone. They have, yeah. they have definitely been trying to find what's going to work for this team, find an identity, and and, and put this offense together, man. So, uh, let, let's let's talk sort of big picture moving forward. We 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 haven't hit any defense. So, what what were your takeaways from Clayton White today, man?
0: I think Clayton, you know, he he hit he hit upon it that they are making, um. They are making progress. Obviously, they can definitely improve in areas. We could talk about the run game in particular. But one thing that I asked them, because anytime and you have a new coordinator come in, you know you're learning a new defense in particular. I said, "Are you comfortable where this defense is at in comparison to the vision you had maybe going into the season?" Right? You're heading this it's week six, heading into week seven point. Are you pleased with the amount of information, the amount of scheme that you've been able to implement so far? And have they been able to grasp it quick enough? And he was very pleased with it. He said, we are on time. Where we are right now is exactly where I envisioned us being at the beginning of the year. And I, I, think, I think, number one, um, I think he's speaking the truth. And I think the reason being is because, you know, has USC's defense been perfect this year? No. But at the same time, too, look where this defense was a year ago look at just some of the mistakes this team had a year ago and look at how this team, especially from a turnover standpoint, has just been creating chaos for offenses mm-hmm. week in and week out. Now, when I say chaos, does that mean that they are playing perfect defense? No, because they're giving up a lot of yards. But then again, in college football, go, go look at some of the statistics. There's going to be a lot of yards. It's that bend-don't-break mentality more than anything. And we have seen South Carolina do a good job in the red zone. This past game, that first half, uh, first quarter in particular, was that the case? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I don't like to be like, well, you know, put that aside, put the Georgia game aside. But, you know, when you do stuff like that and you look at what else they've been doing, it's actually been pretty consistent. They've done a pretty good job, even the Kentucky game. And who knows with the Wildcats, how that season's going to end for them. But at least right now, they're one of the best teams in the country. You only allowed one touchdown to them. Uh, so I, I think there is a lot of good things to be able to, you know, hang your hat on. But at the same time, too, this defense still has areas to improve on. Uh, but, but I think you got to be pleased with what they've at least showed you, like I said, compared to where they were a year ago. And you think about some of these games. And I understand some of those guys aren't back from a year ago, but you do have a lot of players that are back. And some of the faces that you have in the defense, in the defensive backfield, it's new. So they haven't all played with each other. So he's been pleased with the communication, which is very, very important when you play a four-two-five defense. Um, and I think more than anything, too, it's good to see the guys starting to just trust 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 what a coach is telling them to do because we saw what happened last year against Ole Miss you know you think about some of these marathon games in a sense where it was just track meets right and I say marathons because it was more than just the track meet it seems like teams were just running all 26.2 miles on you so it is good to see that progress but of course plenty of work still to be done for that defense
1: Mike have you ever run 26.2 miles at the same time in a row?
0: No, I've I've always wanted to do a Boston Marathon. Though they're going to be having one in a couple more uh, months. They just had their first one in nine hundred ten days, just this past Monday. So um, after COVID, you know, put a wrinkle yeah. into it. So I think the longest I've run.
1: Have you done the half? A thirteen point one?
0: Oh hell no! You give me way too much credit. I did. Uh, I, I've done a five k back. Yeah, five k. I did, uh, and I, we might have some of our. Um, our, our, our subscribers or just people that are listening could be part of the, the F3 crew. Um, I did one of those F3 uh, runs at like 5:30 in the morning down in five points so before that was four miles. Um, God bless those people. But uh, maybe, maybe I'll do that again one day. Maybe I'll get you out there. So any of our F3 listeners um, do what you did to me, to Wes, which is just guilt them, tweet at him daily and say, you can't do it or whatever. And see if he can get his butt out of bed at five 30 or five. Like I did. That'd be good. I,
1: I've, I've done the F3 thing. A couple of times before. Oh, now sorry. it was it, it wasn't a run that day. It was more. Um, it more was a bunch of different stuff.
0: You're more in the Balkan. That's what it is.
1: <laughs> well, no, this was like burpees and short yardage and stuff like that. Like, um, not just hey guys, we're gonna get out here and just run four miles like that. That sounds miserable to me. But I it's I've this. never. This I've never gone over 5k. I feel like you
0: start, you start, and I know there's a bunch of different F3 groups throughout the state, and they they you know it's like friendly competition. They have rivalries, and it's 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 awesome. What they do is tremendous. Uh, but the group that I was with, you started near Starbucks, you ran up the street towards the gas station, like heading towards Benedict, and then you turn around run around behind uh, the trips, dry cleaners, come down, their home team or Jake's. The cool thing was back in the day, and I say back in the day as if this really was a long that long ago, <laughs> you'd be doing this before 6 a.m. So before this individual whose name that we will not mention, because uh, I don't want to make things political, uh, decided that bars have to shut down at 2 now, you would have people leaving the bar. At like five thirty, you'd be running by, and people were clapping for you. I mean, it was awesome. So that was the one time I did that. The bars were still open till six, so that was a uh, that was a good time.
1: Uh, okay, I'm I'm in. So if you got some F F three folks listening, um, if y'all aggravate me enough, I'll come do one of the runs. If Michael do it again, I will do it.
0: I just want to say thank you to to uh, username uh, Beamerball two He said that he bought one of the mix in the water shirts. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you doing that.
1: Yeah, shout out to Beamer ball 2.0 appreciate you um again I go to Mike's Twitter go to my Twitter um, I'm gonna retweet that on the Gamecock central Twitter um as soon as we get off here and I have access to it and uh yeah buy a shirt again for a great cause um Mike let's uh let's close it out man final six games what are you gonna be watching most closely what do you what what do you think would make South Carolina fans happy like what are some things you would pinpoint where you're like man if they can do this and this, then it's going to mean pretty good things. Because I, I think the final six games isn't really even about this season. It's yeah. kind of about finding something to just build on moving forward, going into the off season, where your team, your fans, where everybody feels that level of confidence going into year two.
0: I think there's two things that stand out to me, and they kind of go together. And the first one, and I think the most important one, is being able to see Luke Doty continue to make progress. And I think more than anything, seeing him be able to use his feet a little bit more, uh, being able to throw the football a little bit downfield a little bit more, and just feeling like himself again. Um, I think that will come, and I think that kind of goes with the next point that I was going to mention, is just seeing USC be able to score some more points. If they're able to score some more points, just put some more energy into that crowd. What's the easiest way to add energy into a college football stadium? Score points. Score points. Um, I mean, shoot, look at some of those big 12 teams and just how that conference is, right? I mean, some of those scores are like 40 to 50, this and that. But it brings excitement into the stadium, even if you're not having that great of a year. So bring some type of excitement. Bring some type of excitement back in there. Um, Travis is right. You know, have some type of identity on offense. I think we know from a talent standpoint that South Carolina's talent is in that running back room. It just hasn't been on full display for multiple reasons. We could talk about miscommunication on the offensive line. There is a point, too, Wes, and I want to go back to it. I do feel like at the beginning of the year, someone asked, and I don't know if I can screw up and find it. I do feel like at the beginning of the year, whether or not the USC will ever admit this, I, I do feel like the players were a little overwhelmed at, at, at uh, the beginning of the year in terms of what they were being asked to do. I think that wasn't going to be shown against a team like EIU just because of the, the skill comparison and the talent comparison compared to what EIU had and what USC had. Uh, but I do think it was a little overwhelming. And I think as the season's gone on, Satterfield has been able to simplify things a little bit. Uh, they've been able to pick up on it because this is a smart unit as well. Uh, but things are just different. I mean, it's like being taught how to do math or, or I don't know, do a language. Uh, two things that I'm not great at. So maybe these aren't the great examples to use. But, you know, you had a teacher tell you how to do it a specific way, right? Like two plus two equals four. Then you have someone else come in and they're telling you, well, you could actually do three plus one equals four, four plus zero. So the the point being is there's different things that they are learning. And when you have someone that has taught you, whether it be an offensive coordinator, whether it be an offensive line coach or, or a positional group coach, it does make things a little more challenging, but it all goes back to the one thing I mentioned earlier before of what this team needs to do moving forward, which is you have to have trust. You have to have trust between the players and that positional group coach, or in this case too, the offensive coordinator.
1: And Mike, uh, good stuff, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, to, to your point, I, I think um, so. So we had Langston Moore on on yesterday, and uh, he was talking about how he came in as a freshman and he didn't know any better. He's like, "Man, we're we're winning the national title." You know, he, <laughs> it, it it didn't matter that South Carolina had gone went one in ten the year before. Um, he was coming in. You know, he'd been recruited. He was excited to play in the SEC. He's like, you know, we at the very least we're probably going ten and two, but we're probably winning the national title. South Carolina goes zero and eleven. So uh, somehow, though, he said the locker room was able to stay together. Like there wasn't that finger pointing. That um, the guys were were able to see enough progress internally that they kind of stuck together. They built off of it, and they knew internally. They were building, even if it wasn't necessarily that readily noticeable in the results. But well, what happens? They come back, his second year, go to an Outback Bowl, they beat Ohio State, they go eight and four. Um, really, it was one of the, actually, statistically, one of the biggest turns around, turnarounds in college football history. So, not that this is necessarily the exact same by any means, but that sort of triggered in my brain when you were talking earlier about how important it is for these guys to remain confident and, uh, and confident in the plan moving forward um, if they are going to be able to build off this season, man.
0: It's not easy. It's not easy, to, And I think what makes it more challenging nowadays in comparison to uh, Lynx's time period or, I mean, you even just 10, 11 years ago when I was playing, the challenging part now is you have social media. You have social mm-hmm. media. And this isn't to put it on fans or anything like, like, it's not to put it all on fans, but I think the challenging part is you do see a lot of negative. And we can sit here and say, "Oh yeah, players aren't on social media." That's a load of crap. Go ask any former player, um, you know, for the most part, those guys are still looking at what's going on. It's impossible not to see stuff. So, between that, between recruits, they see what is going on. You handle things the right way, you're not putting out stupid things, uh, from a, as a player, other recruits see that underclassmen see that things that might not necessarily be on social media. It could just be, I don't know, even in a, in a, group chat, if you're an upperclassman, just how you text, how you're you're talking in the dining hall about either the players that you're with or the coaching staff you're with that can make a big difference on these younger guys moving forward as well.
1: Mike, we appreciate the time, man. And, uh, you, uh, you introduced me last show to what you call a tease. So, why why don't you tell the Gamecock fans a little bit about just some thoughts on what they can experience moving forward? Because I'm I'm really excited about some stuff that you're going to be working on on the site, and I'm excited about this too, man. Yeah. You are you are officially Biscuit Boy, um, with, with Bojangles. I, uh, I I definitely want my free chicken sandwich, man. Uh, yeah. Tell everybody a little bit about this. I know.
0: I kind of feel like Happy Gilmore with. Uh... With, with the other, I can't say like that, the different things I'm told what I can and can't say anymore. Um, but with this partnership with Bojangles, I'm, I'm very excited for those of you that have uh, followed this, um, this crazy and, uh, makes really no sense at times uh, thing with this whole biscuit that I got the Uva back in January. It has took on a life of its own. And, uh, what people maybe don't know or maybe they don't remember Justin step is like the reason why I went to Bojangles that day after his introductory press conference. So every time I see coach step, I said, Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making me go to Bojangles that day, basically recruiting me there uh, in a sense, you know, obviously he didn't say, you know, but he just mentioned Bojangles so much. So um, got a tremendous partnership now with Bo- Bojangles. And what that's going to do is that's going to be able to bring Bojangles and Gabe Cox fans closer than ever before. Uh, I'll be able to explain more of that in the coming weeks Uh, Be on the lookout if you enjoy Bojangles, you enjoy free food. uh, We got you covered. We got you. Uh, On top of that, as far as Gamecock Central is concerned, and talking about this expansion with our digital platform, there are some things that we will continue to roll out over the next couple weeks, uh, but we are continuing to add more video elements. So, look, if you enjoyed Gamecock Central, you enjoy being able to read, you enjoy being able to, to watch to watch the shows that that Wes and Chris have done over the last couple of years, that those aren't going anywhere. Promise you those aren't going anywhere, but we're also going to give you the option to be able to watch some video too. So if you enjoy just Gamecock content, you are going to be able to get more of it from Gamecock Central, unlike anywhere else in this state. I promise you that. Um, And we're going to continue to add more and more elements into it from a video standpoint. So, uh, we'll be posting something later today. As far as the offense is concerned, the production value will continue to get better. Um, poor Colin. Poor Colin Taylor was holding you put him to work
1: today. You put him to work.
0: Put him to work. So the tripod's not not in yet. So Colin was uh, holding the uh, the camera. Um, he looked like he was over at the fairgrounds on uh, one of those uh, roller coasters. A little shaky, but it's all right. He did his best. Now now someone's going to send that to him. He's going to be all upset and like you know, screw you. I ain't helping you ever again. Uh, Colin, he did a great job. I'm just busting your chops, pal. He did comment a lot on the grass. So anyone that knows Colin, he's like aging, like he's you know aging five weeks each week now ever since he's got a home and waters his grass every week. Um, but he's yeah, 25
1: going on 50,
0: I think. It's freaking unbelievable. I mean, holy cow! Um, but yeah, we uh, we're gonna continue to add more video elements, and we're gonna get some of the former players too mixed in with that. And uh, we're very excited. Very excited. And there's some things that we are just going to throw right at you and kind of surprise you as well. Um,
1: it's going to be good. Mikey, good stuff, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll do it again soon, okay, bud?
0: Appreciate it, buddy.
1: Yep. See ya. That's Mike Yuva, Gamecock Central's Mike Yuva. Good stuff from him, as always. Uh, before we close it out here, i got to tell you all a little bit about our friends at Dead Soxie. They're another sponsor here on GC Live. Uh, you can get 25% off your order. From Dead Soxie with the code COCKY. Um, again, C-O-C-K-Y. 25% off your order at Dead Soxie. And that uh, that meeting with Mike, we shall say, was brought to you by our good friends at Primal Gourmet, another sponsor of GC Live. And a uh, big sponsor on GamecockCentral.com as well. If you want to try Primal Gourmet, go to PrimalGourmetSC.com and uh, use the code GCOCK20. To get 20% off your first order. Had lunch from there yesterday. And outstanding food. If you are a meal prep person. But don't want to actually prep your meals. Maybe you're trying to lose a little bit of weight. Which I am right now. Check out Primal Gourmet. Uh, They have chef created uh, meal packs. That are are outstanding. So we appreciate Mike. I appreciate you. Um, Again announcement from Oscar Delp. Coming up tonight. Probably not good news for the Gamecocks, but um, we'll we'll see where South Carolina goes from there. We'll, of course, have complete recruiting coverage on Gamecock Central moving forward, and I appreciate you all for joining us. Tomorrow, that is Thursday, we'll actually have Chris Lee from uh, the Vandy Rivals site. That's VandySports.com. Chris, as tied in with Vanderbilt as anybody on the planet, uh, pretty much the marquee Vandy insider as far as what's going on Uh, Not just within their football program, but within their entire athletic department. So it will be always great to hear from Chris. We'll have him on tomorrow, uh, about 2.05, I think. And then on Friday, we'll be joined by Preston Thorne, former Gamecock. Much like uh, with with Langston Moore earlier this week, we're going to talk about a number of topics with Preston. Um, Great dude, good friend of mine, and uh, we're looking forward to to talking to Preston and and catching up with him. So appreciate you all. If uh, if you have uh, any other questions, head on over to GamecockCenter.com. Hit the Insider's Forum. If not, then I'll see you all on Thursday. Appreciate it. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect.
0: Define an opportunity.
1: Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now.
0: Identify a problem.
1: Creating an audio ad is time-consuming.
0: Offer a solution.
1: Utilize cutting-edge AI.